is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? No, oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergat. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast uh, once again on this Friday as we head on into a big uh, sports weekend with Girls State High School Hockey. We've got basketball hockey playoffs for you tomorrow as well. Let's bring in the voice of the Golden Gophers, uh, Mike Grimm, as uh, you know, the, the winter sports seasons are all winding down, not just for high school, but basketball as well. Unfortunately, Grimmer, there isn't going to be any postseason play outside of the Big Ten tournament. Well, I guess you can't say that because the Gopher teams could roll and win the Big Ten tournament, but that's probably the only way they're seeing anything beyond the conference tournament, isn't it? Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, if the Gophers want to play beyond either conference tournament, they'll have to win the conference tournament. That, you know, would be for both the men and women a a long shot. Uh, That would be a monster, you know, upset. They'd have to win five games in five days and um, you know, it is what it is. So, yeah, it, it's it's kind of, um, you know, it's winded down for the two, for those two teams. On the flip side, the two hockey teams, you know, have, uh, you know, the, the world is their oyster, as they say. They, they have uh, the capability. Either one or both could win the national championship. That's how good both those teams are. Yeah, no doubt, and highly ranked and, and have been quite a bit. And, and I was just reading uh, in the Star Tribune this week, too, that the attendance has gone up for, for both of those teams as well. Certainly a good sign. No doubt. Uh, the, the women's has gone up, I think. I heard Brad Frost in, a, in his Zoom meeting, his availability this week, say that it's a 30 to 40% increase in attendance. They sold out the last couple of games, which is great. It's a little over 3,000 people at Ritter Arena. Uh, they've got a game tonight to start their postseason tournament, the WCHA postseason. It's a best two or three series against St. Thomas. Um, St. Thomas, you know, in its infancy as a Division One program, has struggled in the first two years. They have eight wins uh, total this year. However, they took the Gophers to overtime last week and had a close game in the other game. So, um, you know, you're worth also the time of year where it gets scary for these really good teams because, you know, one a bad bounce of the puck means that uh, your season could be over too. Um, although even if Minnesota would lose this weekend, they're 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 going to make the NCAA tournament. And then the Gopher men um, have sold out several home games. You know that used to be a staple in the early 2000s. And then uh, when the Wild got here and got good, that changed a little bit. And then when the Big Ten conference became a hockey conference, that soured some people. And, the ticket prices went up, you know, the whole thing. Um, but it, it was, it's been great to see the resurgence of, of gopher hockey in terms of not just on the ice, but also um, the atmosphere at, at Mariucci Arena has been off the charts in, in recent games. The, the Michigan series was crazy. The Wisconsin series was crazy. And um, I'm expecting, a, you know, number number eight Ohio State tonight and tomorrow to close out the regular season for the men's team. And I uh, know that I want to say Friday sold out tonight, I think, mm. and uh, tomorrow has just – or maybe I'm flipped on that. Either way, one of the nights is sold out and the other is pretty darn close. So um, that that's pretty good, too. And the Gophers certainly will want to end the regular season on a high note. They've already locked up the conference championship in the regular season and the number one seed. So they will be off next week. They get the first round by – and then play the following week in this weird, it's really stupid. Bob Motzko hates it, the uh, the way the Big Ten does its postseason tournament. It drags out over three weeks. It's ridiculous. Um, I think Motzko's term this week that he used for it was he despises the format, and for good reason. And uh, they, they need to change it. They really do. 
So I wonder how it got to that point, how they decided to do that. Are they just trying to give everybody some games uh, in the tournament? Is that it? Or how, why did they decide to stretch it out so long? It's a good question. I think the intent was to make money, as the Big Ten uh, seems to be their big goal. And I think they found that maybe it doesn't make as much money as they thought. Uh, but at most, it should be a two-weekend event. And the big reason is this. So next weekend, the Gophers are off. The other six teams will play. So only one team gets a bye. And there's going to be some teams. There'll probably be at least one team that loses next week that will be in the NCAA tournament. Remember, the NCAA tournament, men's hockey, takes only six, mm-hmm. uh, or only 16. And there's probably five teams from the Big Ten that will make it, um, five of the seven, which is, you know, that the league has been really good this year. Mm-hmm. But that means somebody's likely going to lose next week that's in the tournament. It means they'll have two weeks off. Uh, if they lose next week before they get into the NCAA tournament, it's just a ridiculous situation. So, yeah, that that needs to change. It probably will at some point. Um, the other leagues have figured it out to make it a two-weekend or even in some cases a one-weekend tournament, but the Big Ten has stretched it over three. There's only seven uh, men's uh, teams, and, and it isn't even that many women's teams, I don't think, in the Big Ten uh, that are playing hockey. Is there expansion to other Big Ten schools anytime in the future coming? Yeah, there was a plan, and then the pandemic planned for Illinois to add hockey. That was announced. They were planning it. And then the pandemic with, you know, some of the uh, financial restrictions that that place put that on hold. And quite frankly, I'm not sure if they've rekindled that or not, um, but that would make it eight. And then there's always been talk that, you know, could there be some auxiliary members? Arizona State, um, you know, does not have a conference. And I think there's some coaches in the Big Ten that would like to add Arizona State just as an auxiliary member uh, as they have done with Notre Dame and in lacrosse they've added Johns Hopkins as a you know I don't know what you call it I guess a uh, like I said an auxiliary member or whatever that Arizona State would be a good candidate it's a it's a Pac-12 high major kind of an institution uh, you know I think of all the conferences the Pac-12 and the Big Ten probably have the most similar um, structure in terms of, uh, you know, high-level academic institutions that are usually big state kind of schools, land-grant institutions, Arizona would fit that. Mm-hmm. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. I know they've uh, had a scheduling agreement with Arizona State where, where over the next few years uh, Arizona State plays a bunch of Big Ten teams. And remember, during the pandemic when there were no fans, Arizona State was allowed, they played basically a Big Ten schedule. Um, they played all the Big Ten teams uh, and to play them all on the road, they had no home games, which, you know. Um, plus, I think the Big Ten coaches would like to make a trip to Tempe in February. Yeah, that wouldn't be so, bad. Um, I also think, uh, I don't think it'll happen, but I think Iowa is a prime candidate if they'd ever find the funding to, to add men's and women's hockey. They just added wrestling, women's wrestling at Iowa. They're one of the few teams that has a varsity women's wrestling, you know, and wrestling is wrestling in Iowa is a little like like hockey is here I guess in a, to a certain degree but um, if, if they if they could find funding to 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 add the programs they, they have a 5,000 seat arena uh, adjacent to campus where there's a minor league hockey team playing in Iowa City right now so they, they wouldn't even have to build an arena mm. uh, they would just have to add the sport and I think it's a sneaky pick too because if they would add I think one there's a there's now when I grew up there there was not a lot of interest in hockey I think there's enough niche uh, interest now um, through the USHL teams that are down there. They've got USHL teams from Cedar Rapids, Dubuque, Waterloo, Sioux City, Des Moines, 
Um, so first of all, if Iowa added whoever's the coach there would, would be able to hop in the car and do a lot of good recruiting just right near your campus. And two, um, because of those local hockey interests, I think Iowa would have some interest. So anyway, uh, they have made no announcement and haven't hinted that they would like to add it. They have a club team, and that's about it. But um, I know Bosco would love to see that league get up to eight or ten members, that's for sure. Yeah, at least an yeah. even number. That would certainly help with the scheduling. You wouldn't have to have, you know, bye weeks and, and uh, non-conference weeks when everybody else is playing in conference. Uh, an even number certainly makes the, the scheduling a lot yeah. easier on that, too. Yeah, and I think the thing that Mojko, uh talks about is with, you know, with seven teams, that means there's six opponents, right, because you don't play yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you play a, a two games after opponent sometime during the season and then host them twice. So you're playing everybody four times, and that's a lot, where if you had a 12-team league, you'd probably, you know, you'd probably do it where you'd, you'd play two teams maybe home and home and then everybody else you'd alternate years. Like maybe you'd have a protected rival where Minnesota would go to Wisconsin every year and Wisconsin would go to Minnesota every year. And then the other teams, you'd either host them this year and then play at their place next year, a little like football does. And then you could also play a few more non-conference schedules. But, you know, playing six teams four times each, you know, that over the course of a season, um, there's just not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of left there for the imagination. And I think it does, uh, turn into a bit of a grind. Uh, let's talk football a little bit. I was glad to see that Tanner Morgan was drafted into the USFL. Uh, do you think he was glad to be drafted into the USFL? It's kind of a developmental league for the NFL, isn't it? Yeah, no no question. I think, um, I obviously, I was at the eighth overall pick. I yeah. was out of town yeah. all week with basketball, so I was kind of buried in that. So I saw yep. only the headlines on it. Um, but that said, I, I did talk with somebody about it uh, briefly yesterday, and and I, I think it is a big uh, situation uh, for him, no doubt. And next week is the Combine in Indianapolis. The Gophers have four guys going. Morgan is not one of them. But um, I, I think Tanner probably would like to get into the USFL deal and see what he has. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I thought this was an interesting nugget, Todd. They said that what Brock Purdy did for San Francisco – in a weird way, has helped maybe the stock of Tanner Morgan. Because Purdy, remember, was the last pick in the draft. He was a nobody. He was Mr. Irrelevant. Nobody thought he was going to do anything. And then he comes in, and and then once he starts winning, what did everybody say? Well, he was a four-year starter at Iowa State. He has all this experience. I mean, this is this was smart of you know San Francisco to have him as their third quarterback because if it did come to it, they have a guy that, you know, is old and he's been around and he's started a lot of games and all of a sudden, you know, and he doesn't have, you know, the big cannon arm and all this stuff. And um, all of a sudden people are looking at Tanner Morgan like, oh, man, he's 24. He's a five-year starter at Minnesota. Um, and could he be a good, you know, cheap, inexpensive third-string guy that if something happens and you need to throw a guy in, he's been around the block a time or two. He's made, he would be making rookie money. But he's 24. He's not uh, making rookie money and being a developmental guy that you know started a handful of games in college. So, in a weird way, what Brock Purdy did apparently has helped Tanner Morgan's status. Probably not going to get drafted, maybe late uh, by the NFL. But it, it you know it certainly has helped him in the sense that maybe a team would look at that and say, look, we can get a 24-year-old guy with a ton of college experience to be our third-string quarterback. And if it comes to it, you know, I guess hopefully you never get to the third-teamer. But if you do, you'd like a guy that, you know, uh, is cheap but also 
you know, usually that means they don't have much experience. So uh, that's what a guy told me yesterday. We'll see if uh, if that turns out to be true. Yeah, let's let's hope it is. And and again, even being drafted by the USFL, so if he doesn't get immediate looks uh, in the NFL, he can go there, develop his skills, and and be on the radar again, and and then maybe be picked up during the season even as a free agent went because as we know injuries happen and and quarterbacks go down and and he's such a good guy you're you're pulling for him to to be able to play professionally for a little while yeah no doubt and he has helped his stock a little bit um he had you know he played in the um uh, i'm trying to the hula bowl uh which uh, is no longer in hawaii (laughs) it's played in orlando but still called the hula bowl and then he was scheduled to play in the NFL Players Association. They have an all-star game, which is kind of a lower-level all-star game where guys like Tanner, who might be late-round pick, play. And he played and, and impressed the coaches at the Hula Bowl enough that um, he was a last-minute at the Shrine game, which is coached by, an NFL, by the NFL. Um, they're, they're, you know, coaching staffs from the NFL coach that Shrine game. Um, he impressed enough at the uh, Hula Bowl that the Shrine game came in and gave him a late invite and said, really? hey, do you want to come play here? The NFL teams want to see you. So he, he bailed on the NFL Players Association All-Star game, which is a little lower level, and was able to play in that Shrine game. And um, he got some good reviews from the NFL coaches who ran practice that week as well. And so I'll be real interested to see where he ends up and, and how it goes. And quite frankly, I don't know much about the USFL. Is that a, is that a league that's going to start here soon? Like, will yeah, he have a chance to play before the NFL draft? I, I don't think it's before the draft. It is in the spring, though, I know. So, you know, I can't say for sure. I'd have to check the schedule on that. But but it is a league that's owned by the NFL. It's a developmental league uh, to help, uh, you know, players uh, keep playing professionally and, uh, and maybe at uh, some point come up. Uh, let's see. Uh, second season starts April 15th. So it actually they'll have a little bit of their season in before the draft. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he should take that uh, and play, and uh, whether he gets drafted or not, I guess, will remain to be seen. I'm assuming you're still draft eligible if you sign there. Um, I, I would yeah. think, especially since there's a partnership, as you say. So, yeah. yeah, it's good for him. And then and then just as a sidebar, the four Gophers who will be in next week's combine in Indianapolis will be Muhammad Ibrahim. Um, everyone's going to want to see what he runs the 40 time in because that's the only question about his game, right, yeah. his breakaway speed doesn't have it but um you know he's got everything else anyone who talks and has been around Mo knows that uh, uh anyone who makes a call about him to the coaching staff or to whoever is going to get rave reviews on him so we'll see what he does um the other three guys i got to think about this off the top of my head now will be uh jordan house the safety for minnesota mm-hmm. um who else am i missing here there's two more guys anyway oh uh, terrell smith our guy t-time a cornerback, he also elevated his game at the Shrine Bowl, for the Shrine game. Um, he's a speedster. We always knew he could. He had the size and the speed. And then this year he really was a good shutdown corner and a, and a good free uh, open field tackler as well. Um, and then John Michael Schmitz, of course, the All-American center, who's likely going to be the first gopher drafted. Um, could be late first round. I think, I think it's likely he'll be a, a second-round pick. But he's a guy... John Michael Schmitz, I think that can, um, you know, you can draft him and feel comfortable that um, you're probably getting a day one starter if you have a need at center. And quite frankly, the Vikings yes. you know, could, yeah. could, be, could be looking at him, you know, with the, I, I don't think they'll bring back Garrett, 
Garrett Bradbury. I don't yeah. think they should, frankly. Right. And, um, you know, maybe John Michael Schmitz is a guy. I know the Bears, his, he's from Chicago. The Bears also um, uh, need a center, it sounds like. So I think he's got, you know, he, he's, he's going to probably be a day one starter. Yeah. And uh, he was, uh, one, a great kid, and two, um, you know, that's a kid that was committed to P.J. Fleck for Western Illinois. So that staff has done a nice job of, and as was Tanner Morgan, and as was Chris Altman Bell, and Mo Ibrahim was on the verge of committing to him at Western Illinois. I'll tell you this, Western Illinois would have had a pretty darn good team if P.J. had stayed there, I can tell you that. But um, <laughs> I said Western Illinois, I meant obviously Western Michigan, yeah, yeah. Uh, where P.J. was, uh, all those guys were committed there, so... Um, John Michael Schmitz was committed to Western Michigan, and then when P.J. left Western Michigan to come here, he came on, and um, he's going to be a first or second-round pick, it looks like. Well, yeah, I've seen that, too, where the Vikings have the 23rd pick in the first round, and, you know, I have seen uh, some projections and mock drafts that do have them taking uh, John Michael Smith with that uh, 23rd pick. Uh, That might be a little high, but you're not going to get him with the 23rd pick in the second round, so uh, you're kind of in between. Maybe they they trade down and still get him, but uh, I'm sure Gopher fans and Viking fans would like to see him in a Vikings uniform. That's where they need help is those middle three offensive uh, line position certainly for them hey uh the transfer portal continues to be active uh and just because guys are transferring out of a program doesn't mean there's something wrong with that program i mean they're just looking for a different opportunity perhaps yeah that that's the new reality it, like like every program's been hit hard and when you're a fan of a team and uh you, you lose a guy or two you feel like the world's crumbling in but you have to always base your opinion on how the rest of the market is going in terms of college athletics. And actually the Gophers have been, you know, pretty good. I mean, they, I would say in terms of since the transfer portal started, they have uh, received a net positive. They've had better players come in than go out. That's not to say that they, you know, that, that they don't miss a guy or two. And, and I know Beanie Bishop yesterday announced he was leaving. Yeah. Now, technically, the transfer portal, you can't do anything until May 1st now in football. Okay. They've kind of put some put decisions in terms of signing. or And I don't even know if it's a letter they sign. But there's, and I think some of it is they want, um, they, they want guys committed to stay for the spring period. And so, one, Beanie Bishop, I think, would have been a starter next year. So, that, yeah, I don't know why he decided to leave. Maybe he wants to be closer to home. Who knows? But he goes, um, and, I, you know, you can just about guarantee that the Gophers then in May, and not that they can't look now, but nothing can be official until May, um, after the spring practice period, um, there's no question that they will be in the market for a cornerback and a good one. And they have actually, you know, done a nice job in the transfer portal um, in, in the cornerback uh, situation. In fact, Bishop himself was a transfer from Western Kentucky. They have Ryan Staff, who was a transfer from uh, Texas, uh, uh, Abilene Christian out of Texas, um, and, and they're likely to um, dip into that portal for another defensive back, I would think, um, now that Beanie Bishop has announced he'll transfer. Gophers uh, men's basketball team at Nebraska tomorrow. Grimmer will have the call for us. Uh, pre-game coverage at 2 right here on KWLM. Grimmer, thanks so much. You got it. Always enjoy it, Todd, and we'll look forward to chatting next week. All right, Mike Grimm, voice of the Golden Gophers on the Todd and Friends podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.